Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Well, good morning. How are we doing, Renew Church? Nice. That was good. That was good. Good for you. Hey, and welcome to those of you who are watching online. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, man, Palm Sunday. Uh, we've been in this series called Road to Easter, and this is it's kind of coming to a head. Easter's upon us. Who's excited for Easter? Yeah. Awesome. 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 You guys are awake this morning. Clearly, you aren't uh, parents of a seven-month-year-old. Um, <laughs> But let's get into it, guys. Uh, Matthew 27, 21 says this. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See it to yourself. And all of the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And would you pray with me? God, we, um, God we're thankful for your word, Lord. And um, God, we pray that you would speak in this service, God, that your word would speak to us, Lord, that it would uh, convict us, that it would encourage us, God, that it would build us up, Lord. So we pray against all distraction. We pray that we would just lean in and consider what your word is saying, God, and, and find you, experience you, and um, God, just see you move in this service. God, help me, use me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So as, as maybe some of you know, maybe you don't know, um, I'm a relatively new parent. You know, my wife and I have a beautiful seven-month-year-old daughter. And um, one thing that happens when you're becoming a, a new parent is you get a ton of, like, you know, cheesy cliches that people, like, tell you about being a parent. And I don't necessarily love cliches. Um, I, I think a lot of the times they're not very helpful. It's just kind of like a thing people say, but it's, it's, it, it doesn't really help you out in any sort of uh, way or fashion. So like one thing that I heard literally like over a hundred times by dads when like my wife was pregnant before our daughter was, was born was, hey, make sure you get some sleep now because <laughs> when the baby comes, it's just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Babies don't let you sleep. How does that help me? How is that encouraging? Hey, you're going to be sleep deprived. <laughs> ah, sucks to be you. Like, thanks, bro. That's, that's so encouraging. Thanks for saying congrats on the baby, by the way. Another one. If you think this is bad, wait until, insert inevitable, unavoidable, normal thing that babies do, right? Like, oh, they're crawling. Oh, wait until they start walking. Your life's going to be a disaster. Your life's going to be the worst. It's like, well, thanks for the encouragement. That's just so good. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. And then this other one. With this first one, you're going to have no idea what you're doing. Wow. 
Okay, great. So I'm going to have anxiety this entire time because I don't know if I'm doing what's right or wrong and I'm just a complete failure because there's no way that I can win. Thank you for the encouragement to new parents. Like these are the cliches, these cheesy things that I don't think are super helpful. And um, uh, man, however, there was one cliche that I heard that actually, it actually is, is true. It's really true. And maybe you've heard it, it goes like this. You'll never understand the love of a parent until you have kids of your own. And so when I heard that, even before like I was becoming a parent and now am a parent, I never rejected that. Like I never thought of that as like, oh, that's not true. Like I always respected that, but I was always just like, but I don't know. Like I don't know what I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I can't understand that. And man, let me tell you, when that baby is born and you lay your eyes on it for the first time, there isn't a feeling in the world that compares to that. Like it's this unexplainable, like, bro, I, I, if you're not a parent, like you literally, you won't understand. It's like, this is your baby. Like it's an instant, like what? Like this is mine. Like it, it's the best, one of the best feelings in the entire world. And it'll never leave you. Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like once you experience that love and, and you're holding your baby, you can't unsee it and you finally understand the love of a parent. But I remember in my early 20s, I was debating with some of my dumb friends. They were, they were saying how, uh, they were saying how, no, 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 dude, I love my nieces and nephews and my like little siblings just as much as their parents do. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. Like I, I wasn't a parent at that time, but I was like, yeah, that's super arrogant. That's probably not true. But they're like, no, no, yeah, trust me, trust me, trust me. Yeah, I do. And now that I'm on the other side and I'm, I'm a parent and I have a baby, and like I said, once you lay your eyes on it and you're like, this is mine, there is not a single person other than my spouse who loves that baby more than I do. Like, you, you only know that when you know that, right? Like, it's, it's something that only a parent can see and experience. It's like, this baby is mine. I will do anything for them. I want the very best for them more than anybody on this planet. Parents, can I, can I get an amen? amen? Amen. There we go. But here's the thing. I couldn't feel that. I couldn't experience that beforehand. Like, I, you just literally can't. I couldn't understand it because it hadn't become real to me yet. And once it became real to me, I could never unsee it. Like, I could never not know that and experience that feeling. And so for us, we can't understand certain things because they haven't become real to us. Let me say it again. We can't understand certain things because they haven't become real to us. But once something becomes real, you can't unsee it. Once something becomes real, you can't unsee it. And so here's where we're at. We're on the road to Easter. We've been just following the Easter story and just seeing all the different things that are happening and lining up that are, again, coming to a head at, at, at the fulfillment of Jesus' mission. But Jesus' mission was misunderstood. Throughout the entire Gospels, we see people not understanding what Jesus' mission was. And he revealed his mission. Countless times to the disciples, he made it perfectly clear what he was there to do, and people are still not, they're not getting it. And it wasn't until it was complete that people understood what he was doing. See, the Pharisees didn't understand, right? They wanted to kill him. They didn't understand his mission. The disciples didn't even understand his mission. 
right? Like they thought his kingdom was going to be an earthly one, like, like Trevor was mentioning earlier. The crowds didn't understand his mission. Like they were there for the cool vibes, but then once Jesus says something weird, they like rode out and like, yeah, no, we're not with this. And I think this idea of not understanding the mission is perfectly illustrated in Matthew 16, 21. It says this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Pretty obvious. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Jesus is he's telling his, his mission. He's making it crystal clear. He's telling him, go, guys, this is what's going to happen. This needs to happen so that, so that the scriptures can be fulfilled. And Peter's like, yeah, no, we're not going to let that happen on our watch, chief. Jesus is like, what? Like, what, what, what? This is, I'm Jesus. I'm God. Like, what, are you, what are you arguing with me for, uh, Peter? Like, what's going on here? Peter didn't understand. They didn't understand his mission because it hadn't become real to them yet. And so Jesus' mission, like I said, was to fulfill the scriptures. What does that even mean? This was something that the Jews were eagerly waiting for. And we see this in Isaiah 53. It says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. This is Old Testament prophecy. This is before Jesus is on the scene, and the Jewish people, they're waiting for this. They're waiting for this, this, this Messiah, this Savior, who's going to take away their sins and, 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 and pay the, the, this price. And Jesus is there. He's saying, yo, guys, so this is me, and, and I'm going to do it. And people are like, no, far be it from you, Lord. Like, they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. So we find ourselves here in this point of the story where stuff is starting to get really real. Jesus prophesies, right? He says, listen, one of you guys is going to arrest me. Um, also, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And the rest of you guys, you're just going gonna to fall away. You're going to leave me. But hey, this is going to happen. Just give me like five minutes. He gets arrested. Peter tries to chop a dude's ear off. Jesus is like, bruh, what are you doing? Puts his ear back on, and then it's radio silence from the disciples. Nowhere to be heard, nowhere to be found. And then Peter denies Jesus three times after being pressed by a little girl. <laughs> Chopping guys' ears off. But baby Maddie comes and challenges him, and he's like, ah, I don't know the man. Peter, what a guy. So they're freaking out. They have no idea what's going on. But at this whole time, Jesus is in control. Like, they think this whole thing is ending. They think, like, everything that they've put their faith in and trusted in, they think it's coming to an end. And Jesus is just like, I, I said this would happen. Like, he's in control. It looks bad, don't get me wrong. But Jesus was in control. They didn't understand what was happening. And so the Pharisees, 
They're like, we got him. We got our guy. Now let's charge him. Right? We got him. Let's charge him. We're in control. They didn't understand what was happening. Jesus is put on trial. And then the Roman, um, he's like a Roman leader, Pontius Pilate, is looking at the situation. Pharisees are trying to charge him for, for blasphemy, right? And, and, and Pontius is looking at this, and he's like, I don't, I don't see any crime here, guys. Like, this guy seems legit. The guy seems like a good guy. Like, I don't know what you guys are doing here. And here's the thing. Pontius wasn't even like a good guy. Pontius, was, he was a crooked politician. Like, he, but even he is like, I, I, I don't... I don't see anything wrong here. But he's put in a tough spot. He doesn't want to anger the Jews, which are the people that he's over, so he's got to be a little bit political, right? And, and, and he tries to de-escalate the situation, and this is where we find ourselves. So before we get into this, in, in, into the gospel, and, and, and really put ourselves here, I, wa- I want us to, to have this, this frame of mind. I recently learned a tip from a, from a theologian that I think is super cool. He's like, when we're reading the gospels, I think it's most helpful to read it like you're reading a novel. Like, you know, like when you read like The Lord of the Rings or something, you're, you're putting yourself in that world. You're, you're seeing things, you're, you're, you're world building, you're, you're picturing the, the setting, the places, the people, the emotions. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you read a novel, you're, you're, you're immersing yourself into that world. And if we read the Gospels like that, we, we get a little bit of just a, a broader glimpse and, and a true feeling of what's going on. And I think that's especially helpful that we're on this road to Easter. Like, this is what the church calendar is all about, is, is getting to Easter. So let's put ourselves in this scene and really see what's going on. So let's get into it. Matthew 27, verse uh, 15. Now, at the feast, the governor, which is Pontius Pilate, was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now, Barabbas, he was this insurrectionist. The guy was bad guy, criminal. Like, this guy was, was, was like, not innocent, right? This guy's guilty. He was an insurrectionist going against the Roman government, probably murdered some people, definitely was like a thief. Like, dude was a bad guy, and he's, he's locked up. And then it says, so when they gathered, Pilate said to them, this crowd, he said, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? He's trying to give them a layup. Like, he's, he's truly believed, like, this Jesus guy, is, he's a good guy, like, the guy's innocent. But he's like, okay, I'm going to try to be political here, and all right, guys, you know I'm going to release one prisoner to you guys, so... Do you want Barabbas, the really bad guy who's a murderer and steals stuff, or Jesus? In his mind, he's like, this is a layup. I'm trying to give these people an opportunity to make the right choice here, right? But it says this. It says, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up, being Jesus. Besides, <clears throat> sorry, I'm like losing my voice. Oh my gosh, my heart dropped. I was like, where's my water? Thank you, Kega. All right. It says, besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So even Pontius' wife is like, bro, this Jesus guy is not, he's not bad. Like, I don't know what these people are doing. And Pontius is like, okay, well, I'm trying, honey. Like, I'm, I'm trying to give them a, a, an option here, right? And then it says, now the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd 
to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So Pilate's like, yo, okay, I hear you. You don't like this Jesus guy, but all right, here's what I'm going to do for you. One of these guys is going to be set free. The other one's going to be crucified on the cross. We've got uh, contestant number one, Barabbas. Horrible guy, smells, murderer, uh, steals stuff, will probably beat up your children. We have Barabbas. And then, innocent, great teacher, awesome guy, Jesus. Which one do you guys want? And they're like, Barabbas. Pilate's like, oh, what is happening? Why? What, 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 what's going on here? He's trying to wrap his head around this. They say Barabbas. And then Pilate says to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? Like, he's getting a little bit vulnerable. He's, like, kind of frustrated. Like, what are you guys not seeing here? Like, why? What? What has this guy done that you want him to be crucified? And, and not Barabbas. Like, what, what am I missing here? And, and then it says, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See it to yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him up to be crucified. Okay. So again, people are misunderstanding the mission of Jesus. But in this moment, this point of history, we see Jesus pretty much reveal his plan. Like Jesus' plan is spelled out for us in that exact situation. Did you see it? Like, did you see Jesus' plan right there on display? Nobody could understand it. They didn't see it, but it was right there. Barabbas, the, the insurrectionist, the criminal, the guilty man, was set free. And Jesus, the innocent, holy, righteous, took his place. Jesus was a substitute for Barabbas. That's the gospel. That's Isaiah 53, right there in front of us. That's salvation. That was the mission. And the thing is, when we look at this entire thing, we see the disciples, we see the crowds, we see the Pharisees. And here's what was going on easy to say, I love God when it's convenient for you. The Pharisees, I love God on my own terms. The disciples, Peter, I love God. Oh, wait, but he's getting arrested and we might die. Yeah. Never mind. But here's the thing. I don't think, I don't think you can love God until you realize what God has done for you. And nobody truly understood what Jesus was doing, and they went their own way. And they did their own thing because salvation, it wasn't real to them yet. The, the opportunity 
It wasn't real to them yet. But what Jesus was doing was about to become real. It's like I think of, I think of my, my friends that I was debating with in my, tw- in my early 20s. Like, okay, so you love your, your niece and nephew as much as their parents do. Okay, great. Are you going to wake up at 3 in the morning to change a diaper or deal with a cranky baby all day long? Like, no. Why? Because it's inconvenient for you, right? It's easy to say, yeah, I love this baby just as much as their parent. Okay, deal with a teething baby, right? But when you're the parent of that child, you do that all day long. It's not an inconvenience. That's my baby. I get it. I understand it. I will be inconvenienced for my child because I understand the love of a parent. Do you see the parallels with, with these guys? They think that they love God. They think they know what's going on. But when you really do know what's going on, there's nothing that can inconvenience you from that love. When it's real, you can't unsee it. And so Barabbas is a typology of what was literally about to happen and change human history. We are Barabbas. I told you to picture this story, our role in this. We are Barabbas, the guilty, deserving of death. We're sinners. We've gone against God. Criminals to God. And Jesus, in spite of that, he took our place, the innocent, the holy, the perfect. He said, let Barabbas go. I'll take his place on the cross. We are Barabbas. And once you understand that, once it becomes real to you, you can't unsee it. It has to change you. It it has to change you. We look at Peter. As this story progresses and as Jesus was nailed to the cross and and he was buried and he resurrected, we see see Peter finally seeing it because it becomes a reality to him. He he finds, okay, man, this is what Jesus was doing. This is what he was doing. He sees it. And once he sees it, he can't, he can't unsee it. Peter became pretty much the, the leader of the church movement. This guy who, who rejected Jesus to a little girl was leading the church. And by the way, when Peter died, Peter died on a cross upside down. The guy who was rejecting Jesus because he didn't want to get arrested. He didn't want to get arrested. He was rejecting Jesus. But once he saw it and he understood what was going on, that salvation had come, he said, nail me to a cross upside down for that cause all day long. Oh, inconvenience me for for the Lord? Yes, all day long. Come on, bring it. Yeah, yeah, because I understand the love. Yes, bring it. Come on. Like that's where Peter was. He couldn't unsee what Jesus had done for him on the cross, and it changed his life. Has it become real to you? That's the question. What Jesus did on the cross, has it become real to you where you cannot unsee it? One of my favorite passages of scripture, I have it tattooed on my wrist. To live is Christ and to die is gain. 
when you realize what Jesus has swapped places with us for, to live is Christ. What does that mean? That regardless of what happens, regardless of the inconveniences of life, regardless of the hurdles, of the obstacles, of the terrible things that will happen to me in this life, because I'm a human being that lives on planet Earth, to live is Christ. In spite of all of that garbage, of the bad stuff, things that don't go my way, I will live for the glory of Jesus. Because to live is Christ, but to die when I'm gone is gain. I gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, Jesus wants to save you and, he, and forgive you of your sins and, and, and transform your life and give you peace and joy in this life. Amen. All day long but it gets better. It doesn't end there. Amen, come on. It doesn't end there. Because to die is gain. There's an eternity after this. We, we, we will all die. Newsflash. Humans die. And when we die and we're with Jesus, we've, we've suffered because of Jesus willfully. Yes, amen, Jesus, bring it on. When we die, it's gain. So it's nothing that happens to us on this side of heaven is, 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 is worth a comparison to what is to come. The highest mountaintops that you've ever been on in your entire life do not compare to the glory that is to come in heaven. And that is the truth of the gospel. And we don't, know, we don't remember this. We don't keep this in the front of our mind that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christianity, this, this is not like... I add Jesus to my life and my life is awesome and I have no problems and everything is perfect. That's Christian Buddhism. That's not Christianity. Christianity is I am going to believe in Jesus because I know what I deserve and whatever happens to me on this side of heaven, good or bad, I am sticking with that guy. And I will live for him and, and my, my whole life, my goal, my purpose will be around what he has done for me on the cross. And so if it means I have to get nailed on a cross upside down, I'm going to do it because when people see that, they're going to say, this Jesus guy must be real. He must be real that these people are willing to go through so many things for his name. That's Christianity, baby. That's it right there. Our, our Savior suffered, we will suffer. And listen, the suffering sucks. Like, come on. And, and I'm with you. And that's why we're here with the church to pray with each other and encourage each other and be there for each other. But have hope because to live is Christ and to die is gain. At the end of the day, God will work everything out for us. When we realize what Jesus swapped places with us for, no trial on earth can be compared to what we were saved from. Hear me, what we were saved from and the glory of what's to come is greater than what we can comprehend. Hear me, please. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus has done for us. And it's worth every single second. And so if you wanna, if you wanna make this decision to follow Jesus, if you wanna say, Mikey, yeah, that's me, Mikey, I am Barabbas. I recognize that I am Barabbas. And, and, and I wanna accept this, this substitute that Jesus has done for me. You can do that right here, right now. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if this is you, if you're ready to say, yes, Mikey, I am ready to become a Christian. I am ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to be forgiven and live for something so much more than I can even comprehend. I'm ready for that peace 
that even in the midst of chaos, I know that Jesus is there for me. That in the midst of, of, of my worst fears happening to me, I know that Jesus is there for me. And I know that he's working it out for my good. If you want that, A, recognize, my brother, my sister, this is not an easy road, but it is worth it. It leads to life. And so if this is you, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just boldly lift up your hands just so I can see you and I can witness to the decision, amen, I see you, amen, I see you, amen, I see you. Anybody else? Yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Yes, God. Hallelujah. And it's a prayer. We're going to pray a prayer. And it's not about the words that save you. It's the heart. It's the decision that you're making inside. And we can all pray it out loud together as a family. It goes like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I know I'm a sin. I know I'm Barabbas. And I've sinned against you. But right now, I am believing in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. I am wrong. He is right. I give Jesus control of my life, even in the things that I don't understand. I give him control, and he leads my life. Jesus, I'm giving you control. Have me. Save me. Sanctify me. And keep me connected to you and your church. In Jesus' name, amen. worship the Lord. I encourage you. Man, Mikey, that was such a good message. Oh.
God, y'all could do better than that. Let's give him praise today. Come on. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. Those of you online, type in the chat. He is worthy. We're singing Save today. We're, we're, we're celebrating on this Palm Sunday. You know, as I thought about uh, Mikey's message and I was singing this song earlier, um, I started envisioning myself as what he said, kind of one of the key points of the message is, is I am Barabbas. And I started envisioning myself as this, this man that literally like at first when they were cheering my name, I was like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm fixing to, I'm, I'm going to get off. I'm, I'm going to get out. I'm going to be set free. And literally thinking to myself, like what would have gone through his mind, right? Like the first emotions was like, yes, man, these people are stupid. I killed their families. I did all of these things. And I'm, they, he was like in his mind thinking all these things. But you know what? He probably went to see who this guy was that took his place. He probably went to see, because a lot of people like to go watch somebody get crucified. They like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a spectacle, right? And so they would, they would go, and, and he went. And I can imagine him kind of standing off to the side, but not being wanting to be seen, but just watching as Jesus is, is nailed to the cross, his hands and his feet. The, the, the suffering that he went through and as he he's yelling out and he's crying out in agony my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and Barabbas is like I know why because of me because you took my place you you replaced me and I imagine that and I think about that and I'm like wow what a savior message titled today was journey of a substitute that's exactly what he is not just for Barabbas but for Trevor for each and every single one of you isn't that good isn't that worthy of uh, worthy of praise and adoration that's why we celebrate that's why we worship this our God because he is worthy and because he gave it all he sacrificed everything for this if if you if you need prayer today after the service maybe you can come up to the front or you can make your way to the the next steps table it's right around the corner on your way out this morning and we'd love to pray with you talk to you get a bible help you take some next steps but man just don't leave today the same as the way you came in this morning let me just pray over us one more time and then i'm going to give some other uh final announcements god we we say thank you Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the substitute, the ultimate sacrifice, the, the perfect spotless lamb that takes away the sins of the world and the sins of Trevor Pound. God, I, 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 I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy, but I thank you, God, that you count me worthy, that you would send your only son to die for me. Because of that, I'm forever changed. Because of that, I, I say what Paul says, to live as Christ and to die is gain. God, be with each and every person in the room, minister to the hearts and lives. Thank you, God, for this powerful word that you brings to us today. May we be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, stay standing. Let me just give you a couple quick announcements and then I'll, uh, I'll dismiss you. Uh, but just a couple things that are happening. First of all, we're beginning Holy Week this, this today. And so we're starting with uh, a worship night tonight at 6.30 p.m. Amen. 
6.30 p.m. tonight at our Homestead campus. So don't come here at 6.30. You're going to be in the wrong spot. But join me and uh, so many of our team and, and our Homestead campus. We're going to be worshiping together 6.30 tonight. It'll be a powerful, powerful moment there. Then on Friday night, it's Good Friday, uh, 7 p.m. right here back at Miami campus. We're going to be uh, remembering Christ's sacrifice, his death on the cross for us. And uh, don't miss that powerful moment, Those that, that short service that we're going to have on Good Friday. And then Easter weekend, it's what we all talk about, what we all prepare for. It's what you have the cards for. Uh, get ready for Easter. Make sure that you're inviting your friends, your neighbors. Do me a favor. I just have, just by show of hands, really quick, raise your hand if you were invited to Renew Church or if someone brought you to Renew Church. Would you just raise your hand, hold it up there for just a second. Look around for a second, see these hands that were lifted up. Let me tell you something. That is how the church grows. It doesn't grow because of social media. In fact, we've actually decided not to do a social media campaign for Easter this year. We want you to bring your five. We want you to bring your neighbor, your friend, your brother, your sister, your cousin to come. And maybe they're going to come because there's a helicopter and some, you know, 10,000 eggs or whatever. Maybe that's why they think they're going to come. But, but we're going to bring a powerful worship service and a message. In fact, the cross, the cross, if you notice, is not on the back wall, and there's a reason for that. You'll see next week because it's going to do something crazy. You're going to, you're going to want to bring some people next week for what we're doing next Sunday, Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the journey of a Savior. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Come on. So take... Take invite cards, take packs of them. We got extras, take them home today. Take the ones out in the foyer. Chalk your car. We've got some really great artists that are out there that wanna chalk your car. And that's a great way to tell the traffic that uh, Renew Church is having uh, Easter services and about the egg drop and all of that. Make sure that you do that on your way out. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I, I've mentioned this before, but um, we are re kind of rebuilding the Homestead campus. It's a year old, but we're kind of like trying to give them some extra uh, energy and some momentum. If you're somebody that's praying about that, come and talk to me because I'd love to, to talk to you about helping them in the next uh, over the next five months in that way. Okay, now we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. So there's three ways to give. There's the, the, the offering envelope that's in the seat back right in front of you. There's um, your your uh, online giving at renew.miami. What is it, guys? You guys got to help me in the back. Renew.miami forward slash give. And then you can text the word give to 786-565-1165. I want to just tell you just a one-minute testimony about this. My daughter is a tither. She's 17 years old. Actually, my 12-year-old's a tither as well. But my 17-year-old's graduating high school this year, and she's been praying about a school that she wants to go to in Alabama. And uh, even, even in the little bit that she trusts God with, I believe that God is showing her his favor on her life. That school costs $42,000 a year. $42,000 a year. But God, she got a scholarship offer this week. $35,000 scholarship. Come on, man. My daughter is going to go to private school, and we're believing she's not going to have any debt when she graduates. Isn't that awesome? Praise be to God. No school loans. She's going to be staying in a brand new dorm. They're going to cover all of her meals, all of that. And that's because I believe a 17-year-old's a tither. I really believe it. If you don't trust God with the tithe, how, how, you know, how can you see the blessing of God in your life if you can't trust him 
with the tithe, please consider it um, and, and test him in that. Let me pray over this offering and uh, let's, let's uh, be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I pray that you would bless the giving of your tithes and our offerings for your kingdom here and around the world. I pray for those online, God, and, and those in the room, God, minister to hearts and lives and uh, just be with us this holy week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Go in his peace. You are dismissed.